We're in the fourth day of our fourth week in this series on spiritual discernment. If you'll stay with me in this, we're going to take a break for Easter, for Holy Week. We'll come back and we'll actually do four more weeks of this series about spiritual discernment. The reason this is, there's so many reasons this is so important, but there's one particular reason. You cannot really experience spiritual maturity without spiritual sightedness. Spiritual maturity is what awaits those who, who learn to be attentive to the presence of God. And the proportion to which you both pursue and are attentive to God's presence in your life, that's the degree to which your spiritual discernment will actually be effective. Uh, as we're doing this study, there's really, there's really two aspects that are taking place in any spiritually discerning person's life. One is that there is a, a constant reordering, a, a preparation of the heart. You can't see if the heart is not prepared. But the other thing is that it is clear that it's more than concepts to understand. It's a lifestyle to be practiced, to, to begin to have it be an instinctive reaction in your life to be attentive to God's presence in your life. So here's a couple of questions. Think about the last two days of your life. In, in those two days, what moments did you go through which were life-giving? What were the loving moments? And what were the moments where you really felt connected to God? If you get a chance and you're doing some quiet time, take those, those ideas and write it down. Here's, here's where I felt the life-giving, not just presence of the Lord, but life-giving in terms of people or circumstances. What were moments that were especially loving? And when did you feel most connected to God? You see, in some ways... This can't be hit or miss. It has to be intentional. If you, uh, One of our foundational building blocks of discernment is if you have an impulse to have spiritual sightedness, that's God at work in your life. And so the circumstances and your impulse can work together, but you have to be intentional. Now, on the opposite side of that, it's equally as important to be discerning about the moments that drained you. What drained you? When did you feel disconnected from God's presence? Perhaps it was an emotion of discouragement. Perhaps you felt moments of depression. Perhaps you were frustrated or angry or anxious. So the more we're able to identify, not just talk about the concepts of spiritual discernment, we're identifying in our life those moments where we really feel our connection to God's presence and those moments where we feel disconnected and we begin to understand how to choose into an attentiveness to the presence of God so that we might live in a connection with the presence of God. Another great reason for being spiritually discerning is that the spiritually discerning can choose life because they're choosing to be very attentive to the presence of God. Now, this is... People have been working on this for thousands of years now. 
And there's, there's a couple of principles that bring together our, our foundation for spiritual discernment. The first principle, and, and, and for me it's a new way of phrasing it, but it, I kind of enjoy fresh ways of phrasing the truths of God. In Ruth Haley Barton's book, she calls it that you have to move a movement to indifference. And usually when we see the word indifference, we think of it in a rather negative term. But this is, this is actually a very striking way to recognize that I'm being called to be indifferent to anything but God's will. It, it is a narrowing of our focus so that we want God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. So what's in me that needs to die? What, what desires, what directions, what choices needs, need to die in order for God's will to come forth in my life? And then the question would come, and, and this has happened to me quite often in my prayer life, is I don't, I don't go to God to hear his, his heart. I go to plead my agenda, in a sense. So what if I am, you know, what if I'm struggling with indifference? Well, here's a prayer that, is worth learning. I know I am not indifferent. I know a part of me clings to my own agenda. If I am to become indifferent, Lord, you will have to do it in me. One of the biggest uh, tools that God uses in our life is waiting. Sometimes it feels like he spends so much time in us in preparation for what he's going to do with us or through us. But waiting on God is often one of the most important places of discernment. Uh, for me, sometimes this is where fasting comes in as well, because my own will has often gotten in the way of hearing from God. My own, my own way of solving something or my own timing has gotten in the way, and so I will fast. And as I'm fasting, I, I use those pangs of hunger. Or I use those pangs of, you know, I can't believe I can't eat what I want to eat kind of control or whatever it is. And, and I yield them to the Lord with the, with the objective to break through just living on a fleshly level and starting to live more connected to the presence of the Spirit of God in my life. Well... The more we're able to yield our will, even our agendas to the Lord, we make a movement towards wisdom. And so, in a way, this is, this is where we become spiritually observant. The ability to notice everything pertinent to a situation without making snap judgments. Aware of all the external circumstances in our life, our heart is at rest enough to consider the inner dynamics. This is, this is where it really goes up a notch, where you start to have enough confidence in the Lord, enough rest in the Lord, that you begin to allow yourself to, you know, in a way, be aware of what's stirring inside of you. Do you realize that more often than not, the Holy Spirit has given you caution. He's given you red flags about people, about circumstances as well as God has also given you drives and desires. 
So it's a matter of, of being still enough to actually interpret well what's stirring inside. Is this my adrenaline? Is this my anxiety? Or is this the Lord? And this is where wisdom begins to take on a, a supernatural level in the life of any believer, every believer. You know, beginning to, to, to pay attention, nurturing the inner clues. This allows the life of Christ to mature within us. The will of God is manifest deep within every believer where his spirit dwells and bears witness with our spirit about the things that are true. Listen to Romans 8, 16. This is Paul writing. He says, The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we, are believe, that we believers are children of God. See, the Holy Spirit has been given as a testimony, but that testimony takes place within you. If you want to get really technical, it, it takes place in the right hemisphere of your brain. It takes place in the place of your emotions. It takes place in your memories. It takes place in your intuition. In a way, the more developed and, 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 and healthy your inner life is, the more in touch and attentive to the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit you become. Now, part of this is also on the on the external on the external actions of your life. If you're if you're keeping yourself in the Word, if you're with people who are teaching you and 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 you're growing in terms of your knowledge, then this inner testimony of the Spirit begins to confirm the application of the Word of God and the truths of God to the to the circumstances and decisions of your life. Again, I just want to remind you that you don't wait till the major decisions to begin to allow that inner testimony of the Spirit to work. If you wait till the major ones, you're probably not in tune enough and you're probably not capable enough to really hearing Him clearly. So I see people who have not tuned their hearts, who have not practiced their heart to the inner testimony of the Spirit, and then suddenly they want it in some big decision, and they make a very uh, foolish or uh, unwise decision, and they, they think, well, I was trusting God, but they didn't really have the capacity to trust God, to hear Him, because they had not heard Him all along. I mean, just as the Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God, He assures us of the sacred truth of his word. Now, I have to I have to give one warning to you. It doesn't mean that this that if the spirit is speaking warnings to you that he's going to keep you out of all danger. The apostle Paul was prophesied to him on his trip to Jerusalem as prophesied that he would be bound and he would become a prisoner, but it was still the will of God that he do it. It was just it was just alerting him to what was about to happen. Lisa and I have often had this happen where the spirit begins to testify to our spirit that something is coming. And sometimes it's it, he's alerted us six months before a big change in our life or a big move in our life. He didn't wait to the last minute. He, and especially he knows how Lisa likes to process change. So he gave her indications of change that was coming months before it came. 
Now, if she had ignored that testimony, then she would have been taken totally unaware by the major change that came. But because she she was nurturing this inner testimony of the Spirit, it, it confirmed with God's Word, it confirmed with the circumstances that were happening. And so when the big change came, she was emotionally prepared, she was she was psychologically prepared, she was spiritually prepared to make whatever moves God wanted her to make. But see, what happens to many of us is we ignore this inner testimony. We ignore his uh, words to us and his and the feelings and stirrings that he does, the nudges that he makes. There was one of the, the church fathers, he said this, and he's talking about reading the scriptures. And this is, I think this is helpful. He says, for the best student is the one who does not read his own thoughts into the Bible, but lets the Bible reveal its own, who draws from it its sense and does not import his own into it, nor force upon its words a meaning which he had determined was the right one before he opened its pages. Since then we are to discourse of the things of God, let us assume that God has full knowledge of himself and bow with humble reverence to his words. For he whom we can only know through his own utterances is the fitting witness concerning himself. Now he's, he's talking specifically about how you come to the word of God and you come and you let the word speak to you. You don't try to make the word speak what you want it to speak. But it's, a, it's an incredible principle for spiritual discernment. And that is, we only know God by what God has, has spoken to us and by what God has revealed to us. So we humble ourselves and we begin to say, not only does God make himself known, but he makes the path of our life known by his spirit. And we have this inner witness of his spirit that if we learn to cultivate that, we are choosing life. We're choosing to draw life from the very source of life. But this means, and this has been one of the most important things in my life, is we have to become familiar with the tone of God, the quality and content of God's voice. To be able to discern God's presence in the moment that we're in. And, and you know, in a sense... There is a big picture to every moment, every little moment of your life. God is unfolding his work in all these little circumstances, all these little moments. God is unfolding his work of love and redemption. Am I attentive to that? Do I see what he's up to? And, and as things go in a different way than I expect, or I become uncomfortable, or maybe even a situation is painful, or Difficult. What is what is my most authentic response? I I think this this study and understanding of being attentive to God, learning the very tone of God's voice, learning the quality and the content and the patterns of God's communication with us is so essential. Some years ago, um, I I became friends with uh, a, a guy that was he was maybe eight or 10 years older than me. And he had, he had been very burned out in ministry and very, very hurt. Uh, 
But it was interesting because he um, he blamed everybody but himself. He blamed uh, his misfortune. He blamed his difficulties on everybody but himself. And and as he unpacked his story to me, it was like seven different ministries in which he, in every one he'd been fired or been let go or whatever. And it was so interesting how he never saw his role or his failure. He always saw their failure. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord began to give me these red flags, began to give me these cautions. He's basically saying this guy has no self-awareness. He's gifted, he's talented, but he has no awareness. He blames these seven different churches, but the only constant in his failure is him. He's gone to every different kind of place, but but it's always been his failure, and he won't own that. He won't be responsible for that. But then the Spirit said some really moved me in a way that was that in a, you know was counterintuitive to me. He said, "Love this guy, care for him, offer him healing," and I did, and I did for quite a while, and in some ways, some of it worked. But then it come to find out it was more than just ministry failure. There was moral failure in his life, significant moral failure. And when that came out, and when that came up, he had the opportunity to repent. He had the opportunity to confess. He had hurt quite a few people. And so the procedure is that he be taken to the district authorities of, of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and that's what I did. And he turned on me and, uh, and just uh, began to say hateful and vile things about me because of that. So it, was, so it was so interesting, and it didn't turn out in any way like I expected. I was hoping it would be this great success story. Instead, it was a very painful thing to me. But the Spirit gave me both indications. One, he gave me the indication of the danger that there was something deeper than just self, uh, you know, self-awareness. Two, he said, love this guy. So the, the response even to the danger was to love him. But you know, in the scripture, truth uh, is not truth without love, and love is not love without truth. And when I found out he had abused women in his ministry, then that truth had to come to light. Now, because he didn't repent, because he didn't, really go through the process of restoration, he was excluded from ministry. And he was not allowed to hurt people anymore. But it was very painful for me to go through that. But I can tell you the Spirit gave me clear indications of how dangerous it was, and he gave me a clear response to this guy to love him with that kind of unconditional love that Jesus has for me. And so, in a way, what the Spirit does when you're attentive to Him is he, he both gives you indications of danger, but He also teaches you how to respond authentically to this. What we're asking, and what I'm asking of you, is that, that this habit of discernment, where the Spirit has been welcomed into your life, and then, and then you begin to practice it from a place of both heart preparation but heart practice. So another crucial aspect of discernment then, 
since there is this internal, and you could say almost like a subjective quality to discernment. As the scripture says, you have to have discernment of the spirits. So, and what that means is this. What's the source of the information that you're relying on? In other words, there is spiritual activity that is not originating from the Holy Spirit. And so both in 1 Corinthians 12.10, where it talks about the gift or the manifestation of the Spirit in distinguishing or discernment of spirits, or in 1 John 4.1, where it speaks of testing the spirits to see whether they are from God. So in other words, you can have an interaction, maybe even unknowingly, you can have an interaction where the origin of that is not the Holy Spirit. And there is a need, therefore. You can't just say, I'm just going to be so sensitive to my these internal stirrings. I'm going to be so sensitive to these internal nudges. Well, those nudges are only good for you if they originate from the Spirit of Christ. Otherwise, they are, they are, the, they are the nudges of an enemy. They are the stirrings of a serial killer because Satan's only you know, purpose in your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And in a way, what we're talking about is the tr- is true information, true insight, true wisdom from counterfeit or phony, the true from the false. And this is, in, in our internal world it, it, of thoughts and of motives and intents, all of these things really are where that battle is joined. So this is a spiritual dynamic of, of discernment. This is where the Holy Spirit's curriculum comes in because he's training your faculties, that's what Hebrews says, to distinguish between what is good. So you, you will say, well, I know this is of God and what leads you closer to God and helps you fulfill God's calling on your life and what is evil, that which is not of God and that which draws you away from God. So, this process of, of distinguishing the spirits, of testing, is this source, is the source of this, the Holy Spirit. Now, my, my good friend, Rob Reamer, actually has what he calls a cheat sheet of test questions for whatever um, you know, spiritual dynamics are going on in a person's life. And, and some of them are, are just straight scripture. Scripture says, if a spirit cannot say that Jesus is Lord, then it's not of God. If a spirit cannot say that the Son of God, Jesus, came in the flesh, then it's not of God. But he, but he has this interesting question on his list that I've often used, uh, particularly when there's evidence of spiritual warfare in someone's life, and yet they can't quite get in touch with it. So I use this question. What is your purpose in the life of this person? Why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish in this person's life? And what has happened many times, I've, I've used this question with quite a few people. And I remember this one guy who was very out of touch with his inner life. He was very shut down, very out of touch, not attentive to God at all, and yet in ministry. And I asked that question, what is your purpose in this person's life? And the guy's face just turned white. And he goes, I just... I just heard it clear as bell to kill him. 
My purpose is to kill him. And, you know, our conversation pretty much took off from there that, that this fellow has the influence and the oppression of, of a voice in his mind, in his, in his thinking, that wanted to kill him. And recognizing that made it really clear, I got to get rid of this. I, gotta, I have to be delivered from this. This is evil. So here are some questions that you can ask personally. These are in our, these are in our notebook for this day. And, and this is the reason we write down questions, the reason I do a workbook, it's because especially when you're dealing with spiritual warfare issues, you have to be precise. Satan is, is a uh, lifelong psychologist in regards to you and your family. He has files and files on your patterns, your behaviors, your weaknesses, your strengths. But he's also like a lawyer. He's looking for loopholes. He's looking for places of access, places where you have not been intentional to close off his access to you or places where you're not giving access to God or places that Satan sees as access to exploit in your life. So what, what, I, what I've often found is that you have, to, uh, you have to be precise. You have to be intentional. And getting some questions written down, beginning to do them over a period of time can make you much more effective. Uh, after this, uh, after the recording is done I, in the Facebook Live post, I will post these questions. So here they are. How do my desires and decisions fit with the overall direction and calling of God on my life? See, in some ways, if everything I'm doing isn't moving towards God's destiny for me, then it's taking me away so it's not of God. And it's not drawing me to God. This is really important, this aspect. Have you seen in your life, do you see what choices that you make that bring a deep sense of life, peace, and freedom? Like, one of the things that I've done since the pandemic started is to have these morning devotions. Now, it's a discipline. I get up every morning, prepare, present. It's a discipline. It takes hours of my time. But it gives me life. I haven't done it because I had to. I've done it because it has given me strength to lead, to pastor, to grow, to feel something fresh from the Lord every day. So you don't, you, you don't just want to make decisions without knowing what gives you a deep sense of life, peace, joy, freedom. The other thing is this, and this is what a lot of, I find a lot of people do not know what their most authentic desires are, what their deepest desires are. I remember when I was 18 years old, I said, Lord, whatever it takes, I want, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Well, I had no idea. I didn't, had no idea how messed up I was, how broken I was, what he would have to do to bring healing to my life, how long, <laughs> and really how all of life would have to be healing and all of life would have to be repentance. I didn't know that at 18 years old. But I can tell you that was the authentic desire of my life, and he has held me to that, and he has operated in such a way 
that that's what has been happening in my life for my whole life. When making decisions, is there a scripture that God is bringing to me that is consistent with the choices I am making? Now, there are a lot of ways that God uses a particular verse of scripture, a text, to in, order, in order to give you confidence about decisions that you're making. When I um, was found to have major blockage in uh, my arteries that was creating a, a very um, dangerous situation, I remember praying and seeking the Lord, and as I was waiting for bypass surgery, I asked him, I said, Lord, could you give me a a scripture? And the scripture he gave me was from the Psalms, and it says, the Lord satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I, I, I just held on to that scripture. But the interesting thing was that just having the bypass surgery, I still didn't feel right. I didn't feel strong. So I just kept holding on to that scripture that the Lord was going to renew my youth. He was going to renew my strength. I held on to that scripture. And and over the course of the next few years, he made that so real to me. He even got it to where through some wonderful arrangement of circumstances, I started being able to run like three miles a day. And I started being able you know, to put in something like 15 miles a week or more. And I was doing it not because I had to, but because I was loving it. And so you begin to realize that he wants to support the most authentic desires of your life because he put those desires there and his word can support that and encourage you in that and help you be consistent with that. It took a few years for that verse to become true, but he made it real. Where is God developing my character? Is is what I'm choosing into actually nourishing my spirit, nourish, nurturing my spiritual growth? And then, one of the biggest ones is we looked at yesterday. What does love require in my current situation? Is love the grid through which I make all my decisions, or is fear or pride? Is perspective clear? You know, if you go forward. Let's, this is some secular people are actually making a big deal about this. If you take a step forward and you go all the way to your deathbed, what choice would you wish you had made? Does this choice that you're trying to make now in the temporary have eternal and permanent significance? Or are you just giving in to immediate gratification, that which is transitory and nothing but temporary? There's a book out by a hospice nurse where she talks about what three things that people ask at their deathbed. Did I love enough? Did I follow my dreams? And did I forgive? It's interesting. So again, you know, secular people are catching on to biblical truth. Love, dreams, destiny that God has for you, calling. And one thing that keeps you from it is unforgiveness. And looking at the choices, I was, I look at this and say, and I, 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 I have trouble sometimes. I don't like people looking over my shoulder, I'll admit. I don't like them second-guessing me. But the question is, if someone knows my choice, would I be ashamed? Would, would others' observation of who I am and what God is doing in my life agree with the choices that I'm making? So... We need to 
close this up, but the idea is there's a way forward for each of us that has to do with spiritual discernment. Ruth Haley Barton says, sometimes there's a couple of options that seem equally good. Go ahead and identify those as clearly as possible. Improve them or combine them into one option that combines the best of both. Now God invites us to make a choice, at least privately, and to once again rely on the inner experience of of, of the testimony and the witness of the Holy Spirit seeking the confirmation, being atten- not just making decisions with pros and cons lists, but being attentive to the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. As you live out your choice kind of privately in your own mind, you see whether there's a sense of rightness about it, a sense of this is in harmony with my relationship with God and with who I, who I am and what I value, what I want to be and who he created me to be. And, and so as we begin to really recognize this idea that the inner life matters for every choice that you make. So is there peace in the choices that you make in the deepest, truest part of you? See, in the deepest part of you, that idea that I want nothing but the will of God will always give you life. Is this drawing me to God? Is it taking me away from God? Then it's either of God or it's not of God. And we have, we have that resource. And the resource, the most important resource, is being attentive to the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.